Welcome to another episode of the Viato Podcast Retail Revival Series. I'm Randy Kobat with Cox Automotive, and I'll be your host for today's podcast. My guest for today's podcast is Nick Anderson, General Manager at Chuck Anderson Ford in Excelsior Springs, Missouri. Like many dealers, Nick and his team have faced significant challenges getting the used vehicles they need as trade-ins have slowed and auction prices have hit historic highs. If you would have told me six months ago that we'd be sitting here today and sales would be, I mean, we'd be struggling to keep enough in stock to sell, I probably would have laughed and told you that's the craziest thing I ever heard. To solve the sourcing challenge, Nick turned to Kelly Blue Book Instant Cash Offer which is helping him acquire inventory at lower cost-to-market percentages than if he'd acquired the cars in the wholesale market. While the store's sales volumes are down about 8%, the gross profit in used vehicles is up about 13%, due largely to the more transparent process KBB Instant Cash Offer enables, both online and in the showroom. I'm currently sitting in inventory right now where my cost-to-market is about 84%, and so I mean I have very healthy profit in basically every vehicle I have. Nick also talks about another insight that has emerged from the pandemic. The deals he loses because it takes too long to move vehicles through reconditioning to the front line. His efforts to speed up the process are helping him pick up trade-ins he might have otherwise missed. We did a uh, like a self-study a few weeks ago and uh, by taking that extra 12 hours and 24 hours to get it done, I mean, we were missing 15, 20 deals a month. Thank you for joining today's podcast. Let's go to my conversation with Nick. Nick Anderson from Chuck Anderson Ford in Excelsior Springs, Missouri. Welcome to our podcast. Thanks, Randy, for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, I understand, as I was looking over your website, your grandfather started the store in 1974. Your dad's now the dealer principal, and, and you're the general manager. So that's three generations in the business. So tell us a little bit about how you grew up uh, with your family dealership and, and what led you to your current position? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, you're right. So my grandpa did, he bought the store in 1974. Um, before he owned this store, he is the general manager of three different uh, stores in Kansas City, um, two Ford and one Chrysler. So he bought the store in 1974 and moved my dad up here. Um, my dad graduated high school a few years after that. And uh, after he graduated college, he came back out to the store and he basically started running this the store in the mid to late eighties. I went to high school here locally in Excelsior Springs and uh, graduated and actually played football at uh, St. Joe, Missouri, uh, from Missouri Western for four years. And I kind of, when I was in high school, I'd come out on the weekends and clean the shop or go through parts, basically do stuff that other people didn't want to do. And uh, I kind of got put in a position where that was going to be my job. Um, I started selling cars right after I graduated high school and sold cars on like winter breaks and summer breaks and stuff while I was in school. And then uh, I graduated on uh, May 10th um, on a Saturday and started full-time on the 12th. Wow. And, and uh, pretty much has been here ever since. I, I sold cars for, oh, three and a half, three and a half years or so. Um, loved it. I enjoyed uh, interacting with people. And uh, it kind of got to the fact, the point where I needed, uh, I needed to get off the floor because I was uh, selling too many cars. Um, and we were starting to lose salespeople. <laughs> and so uh, instead of me selling cars, I kind of helped them sell cars. And so I, I moved into the, like a new car manager role, um, did that for about a year and a half and did the used cars and then uh, kind of fell into the GSM role. Um, after I did that for uh, oh, about a year and a half, two years, and I kind of kicked off into the service as well and uh, kind of more fulfilled like the, the role of the GM. And so I've been doing that for just a couple of years. That's great. 
You know, and talking to guys like you in our market, in our industry, there's typically two paths. There's one where absolutely I want to be part of the family business and mm-hmm. you know, the other path is absolutely not. I'm going to go <laughs> off to college and I'm going to yep. go find my own way. Was there any doubt in your mind that you would be part of this business? No, we had, uh, I mean, I probably started coming out here and cleaning cars and stuff when I was like 10 or 11 or so. And, uh, when I was in high school, my mom did about everything she could to make me do something else. And so I, I don't think I ever really considered it, yep. but that was, I mean, I, I knew I was going to be out here. Yep. Um, I do have two younger brothers. Um, my middle brother is just two years younger and, uh, he is actually a teacher and at a uh, elementary school and he was kind of taking, I don't want anything, anything to do with it. Um, my youngest brother, he didn't want anything to do with it. And then about a year ago, um, he actually came on and he's one of our salesmen now. Um, so it's kind of nice to be able to make it a bigger family business. That's awesome. That's great. So we're, we're here today. It's early part of October, 2020. Um, how did your store do in terms of uh, new and used sales in September? Um, and kind of how does that compare with what you've been doing over the last few months over the summer? So volume this year has been difficult ever since COVID-19. Sure. Um, it's not necessarily volume, but because it's, we're having a hard time selling them. It's we're having a hard time having enough inventory to sell to achieve the volume we need. Right. Um, new and used. Um, new, the factories were shut down for a couple of weeks. And even when they started opening back up, the, the backlog was so great. It, like cars are trickling in instead of feeling like a faucet needs to come in. Mm-hmm. Uh, used cars are kind of the same. Um, if you would have told me six months ago that we'd be sitting here today and sales would be, I mean, we'd be struggling to keep it up in stock to sell. I probably would have laughed and told you that's the craziest thing I ever heard. Um, when COVID broke out and it kind of got serious, I really assumed the market would just halt. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought people would stop buying, stop spending money and just kind of wait and see. Um, in some States with the total lockdowns and stuff, they did. Um, being in the Midwest, we never really shut down, shut down. And, um, our, I guess our locale is more of a probably conservative base. And so um, they've actually, our, our sales haven't dropped. Um, the volume has just for the fact that we don't have the cars to sell. Um, but this year we've rolled our used car inventory. Uh, we're probably like a 15 day or yeah, no 15 a year turn. Wow. Um, and so we're rolling them as fast as I can get them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd probably be faster if I could get them through the shop and then cleaned up and on the lot in 24 hours. We'd probably go to 17 a year. So as far as volume goes, we're down probably about 8% year over year, 9%, but our grosses are actually up about 13%. Um, I think that's just kind of plays in the market that you're able to ask more money for the same vehicle that nine months ago, you could have got say 30 grand for now you can sell it for 33. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then at that point, the trick falls into acquiring the vehicles at a price where you can sell them and make money. Yeah. The supply and demand has been really interesting. Absolutely. I'm, I'm very excited to get into the acquiring part because I am a huge believer on how that works. And you, you make money when you buy a car, not when you sell it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we preach that all day long um, with our V Auto business for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really one of the reasons why we wanted to have this discussion today with you, Nick, uh, because you have embraced different ways to find good quality used cars, including uh, Kelly Blue Book Instant Cash Offer, one of our Cox Automotive offerings. So what are some of the factors that led you to look beyond traditional trade-ins or buying cars at auction to feed your used car department? And was it something going on before the pandemic that you were doing? 
So we've always advertised that we'll buy vehicles off the street. We've done that for five or six years um, with very minimal success. I mean, I might've bought average 10 a year, 15 a year. Um, and so actually about three weeks before the news of the pandemic broke, my Cox Automotive rep that sells the Kelly Blue McKinson cash offer product came to me and was like, hey, your market's open for an ICO center. And I never, I mean, I've heard of this, the KBB instant cash offer before. Um, I never really jumped into it because the the sticker shock of like paying for it to begin with is just kind of a lot. You're just kind of like, oh, I don't really know if it'll work or not. Um, luckily for me, and I mean, I'll thank her up and down, my uh, Cox Auto rep, we've gone back seven or eight years and uh, she's never really steered me wrong. <laughs> and so when she, when she came to me and told me that this would work as long as we used it, I was all in. I said, well, I'll make sure it gets used. And so we jumped on about two or three weeks before the pandemic hit. Um, our onboarding was actually about the week that the pandemic hit. Um, and I can honestly say that if it wasn't for the instant cash offer, I would have been out of used cars in May and probably out of business. Wow. So how has that impacted your inventory with regards to how many cars in a typical month are you getting through this new approach? Anywhere from 15 to 20 every wow. month. And uh, retail pieces. Um, I guess that doesn't count. I probably buy three or four a month that are more like the cheaper $300,000 cars. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't sell those on the lot, so we'll wholesale those. But uh, retail are probably 15 to 20 a month. Wow, that's great. Um, and then how, what, what does a consumer look like that's coming in with an instant cash offer? Is it different than a traditional person coming in that sees a car on your lot and has a trade? Yes. So the, the biggest thing, the biggest difference I can say between what we were doing before we were just kind of doing a general, hey, we'll buy your car thing compared to the Kelly Blue Book instant cash offer. The customer coming in with the KBB offer, one, already knows what their offer is or really close to what they're going to get for the vehicle. Two, they're not coming in to argue. Uh, they're not coming in with their defenses up thinking that, hey, I'm going to go to this car dealer and they're going to be a traditional car dealer explaining to me why instead of my car being worth 10 grand, it's worth five. Um, so they don't, they don't come in with the perception of, that we are going to take advantage of them. They're typically customers that have done their shopping online. Um, they realize that the KBB offer is fair and they feel some kind of pride because they filled out the information regarding their vehicle. And that, that's kind of how it was scored. Um, so there's really, I mean, there's full transparency to the customer. Um, they realize that if they mark that there's six dents on the left side of the car, that their vehicle is not worth as much as one that, without the dents. Now, if they would have came in, just a regular customer and came in to trade their vehicle, and I tried to explain to them how it's going to cost $900 to fix those six dents, mm-hmm. they'd tell me I was full of crap and mm-hmm. crazy, and that they still wanted full, basically, retail for their vehicle. Um, typically, and I just had one probably two hours ago that came in on a KBB instant cash offer, and we were chatting, and he filled out all the information. So we went out and did the walk around, verified the condition, and I was actually able to give him $490 more than what the KBB instant cash offer was. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was ecstatic. I mean, he couldn't sign the title off fast enough. And this is a truck that, I mean, is high demand in our market. I gave, I ended up giving him $19,500. If I would have had to buy it at the auction, I would have been closer to 21. Um, and he was ecstatic. I was ecstatic. And this is something I will throw on a lot by the end of the week and probably sell it for three or four grand this, this weekend. That's awesome. So I, I think what you just explained is, is what our clients typically see mm-hmm. is that cost to market on a consumer coming in with an ICO is significantly lower than, you know, obviously getting a car from auction. And that's kind of what you just explained. Correct. It's, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. It's to the point if, um, I mean, I would, if it's feasible, I would stop buying from the auction completely 
I think in the last probably 12 weeks, I've bought 10 cars at the auction. I've probably bought 65 to 80 KBB ICOs. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm currently sitting in an inventory right now where my cost of market is about 84%. Um, and so, I mean, I have very healthy profit in basically every vehicle I have. That's great. Um, and the vast majority of the vehicles I currently have in stock are from the KBB ICO product. That's great. I, I think one of the other things that I hear, and, and maybe you've experienced something similar, is when you kind of embark on this journey of uh, advertising that you want to buy consumer's car, uh, consumer in your market, their cars for cash, and you begin to go through that process, whether you partner with Kelly Blue Book or you try to do it on your own, you learn a lot about <clears throat> how to do an appraisal or do this trade-in with a consumer, um, and you, and because you learn so much, it kind of changes the process in your store. So as you've gone through this learning and and have been pretty successful, it seems now with doing this, how has it changed your perception or how you go about doing an appraisal on a car? Absolutely. So at the very beginning of the program, right when we launched on my instant cash offer rep kind of explained to me like, Hey, you can use this in your store. Um, you can pull the iPad out on every trade, do it exactly like this. Um, we tried that for a very short period of time. Um, and it was probably a process error that it, why it didn't work. Um, my sales guys weren't very fond of it. it Cause I mean, it is a different type of customer that you're working that didn't input the Kelly Blue instant cash offer. Mm-hmm. And so what we ended up adapting to is we'll go like do a walk around with the customer on their trade and kind of go over things and talk about it, whatever. And then when we sit down and do numbers, if the, if the customer is very insistent that their vehicle should be worth far more, at that time, I pull out the iPad and we go out there and we do a Kelly Blue Book instant cash offer. Um, 90, 90% of the customers we have that don't put in an offer request, um, they'll come in and like as soon as they see the first numbers, they're like, well, Kelly Blue Book said my car should be worth this. And that is 100% fair. And luckily, with I guess luckily for us being an instant cash offer center, I can be like, you know what? I completely understand. As I, I can actually give you an instant cash offer on your vehicle from Kelly Blue Book and they'll write you a check today. And so at that point, we'll go out with the iPad, we'll fill out the condition report, we'll go through the whole vehicle. At the very end of it, I'll be able to give them a number. A lot of the times, it's the same or a little bit less than what we would have been to start with. So mm-hmm. at that point, I'm the hero for saving them the trouble of having to shop their trade, yep. um, having to dis- like crunch numbers, having to negotiate. Um, now, if it comes up a little bit higher and it's something I don't want to put the extra money in to keep, I'm a hero again because here I am still going to give them the, the maximum amount for their trade. And it's no money out of my pocket. That's great. Now, the people that are coming in, do you find that you're selling them a car as well? Or are these mostly just people coming in wanting to get cash for their car? And so this was the craziest thing for me. So when I was talking to my rep, I was like, you know, I mean, obviously I'd love to sell cars. I would love to be able to do like a trade-in thing on all of them. I mean, that's ideal. But really, my issue right now is I need inventory. And so, yes, I still want to sell them a car, but I need their car more than I need to sell them a car. And so I've approached every deal um, as a very much just, hey, I'm going to buy your vehicle from you. You don't have to buy from us. If you want to look at something, I'll be more than happy to show it to you, but I need to buy your car. Um, And that's probably convert, I'd say 30 to 35% do end up buying from us. And um, typically the people that like the people that have bought, they're all very profit filled deals um, because they treat the purchasing process just like they did the instant cash offer where they kind of already have a fair idea of what the number is going to look like. And there's really no negotiation and we just make the deal work and everybody, and, and people, those people are happy when they leave. That's great. Now I'm sure this doesn't all happen in the one visit, 
So, no. or, and so how do you manage that lead? Is there a way, is there a best practice from your perspective and making so, sure you can follow up with that consumer? Yeah, absolutely. So I kind of treat them like we do, like a customer trying to buy a car. And so I am very much for um, communicating with the customer how they want to be communicated with. Not everybody wants a phone call. Not everybody wants to be texted. Not everybody wants a email dropped to them. And so kind of what I do is I want to fulfill whatever need that they're asking for. Um, so say a, a lead comes in that they're wanting to sell us their truck. Um, I'll immediately send them an email, basically introducing myself saying, Hey, I, um, I got your information from the Kelly Blue Book instant cash offer system. You just filled out. Their offer is X amount. I would like the opportunity to, to at least have the chance to beat that offer and get, put more money in your pocket. Um, and at that point, right after I send the email before they respond or anything, I send over a, like an opt-in text message. Basically, again, explaining that I am Nick Anderson, Chuck Anderson Ford. I'm contacting them on behalf of the Kelly Blue Book Instant Cash Offer, and I would love the opportunity to see their truck. And that way I can make sure that they're getting the most out of their truck that they can, and they don't have to waste time shopping around. And then if they don't ever opt in for the text, obviously you can't keep texting them, so that's against the law. But as far as the email goes, I'll, I'll follow up with the customer for 90 days. Hmm. And, um, at, at first I was kind of like, man, I don't really want to be wasting my time. Keep contacting these people for three months. Cause a lot of them probably sold or traded or something within the first 30 days. The thing I found though, is actually at day 40 to probably 60, I see like a spike in the numbers that we actually buy. And so to me, those are the people that are really hardcore want as much as they can possibly get. And they're going to shop at all of them, dodge them back. And by the day 40 through day 60, they're really ready just to get paid and get done. And so by following up with them and continue to following up with them, I've picked up very nice retail pieces um, at very good cost to market and everybody's happy again. Wow. That's, that's fascinating because that is some, uh, it confirms some research that we've done mm -hmm. that consumers do that instant cash offer process in one or two times, either mm -hmm. right at the very beginning when they're first starting to shop or later in the process when they've already identified another vehicle and are starting to negotiate with the with the dealership that has it so um, it kind of confirms that you probably get some right away after that first mm -hmm. email and then those in 40 to 60 days when they've are later in the process so that's mm -hmm. that's really interesting yeah i found that usually i mean you'll either get somebody within the first three days or it will fall in that 40 to 60 day range um, there's not a lot in like the two and a half three week at all I mean, I guess there's some, but very few. Yeah. Um, the vast majority, you either get the first week or you get after two months, two and a half months. So follow-up is key, huh? I mean, and just trust the process. I don't do anything crazy. Um, I don't promise them ice cream cones or, <laughs> or anything like that. Um, I basically just explain to them, like, hey, I really need your vehicle, and I'm fair. Um, I will give you the most I can possibly give you for it. And that's how bad I need your vehicle. And I'll make it as easy as I possibly can. I mean, a lot of the times our customers are in and out in 15 minutes. That's great. So another topic that's really been top of mind for dealers over the last several months is digital retailing. Mm -hmm. and, and I want to make sure we touch base on that. So, you know, you're in Excelsior Springs, you're, mm -hmm. you're kind of outside the Kansas City market. What's the appetite in your market to work deals online? So what we've seen, and we have digital retailing on our website, we've also have it turned on a, on a few of our third parties. Right. What we see is a lot of people use it to come up with numbers, but a lot of the people in our locale don't necessarily finish a deal online. Mm -hmm. um, they still want to be able to come in, see the vehicle, drive the vehicle, talk to a person. But we, I mean, we see a lot of people get on and at least get uh, like 
kind of like payment estimates from it. Very rarely do we actually do an entire deal online, but I mean, we do have those people that obviously buy out of state, out of the area and stuff that we do, we do uh, facilitate it that way. But the vast majority of them will get payment estimates, uh, trade values, a final price on the vehicle. And at that point, they're ready to come in and drive it, make sure that they like it, and then they buy it. That's great. Um, so, you know, we're early October 2020, like I mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. We're in the last quarter of the year. Like you said, you know, boy, I would have never thought I'd, we'd be in the position we're in back in end of March, early April <laughs> with the pandemic. So what what's your top two or three priorities as we finish up 2020 uh, and we end the year strong? My first priority is always my people. Make sure they're still like in a good mood. Um, they understand that, hey, we're really close to the end of this, hopefully, pandemic thing. And hopefully at the end, we'll be kind of like somewhat back to normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I want to make sure they're all in a good place mentally, not only for work, but also for their family. Since, you know, I mean, everybody, regardless if you want to or not, you bring your family and I to work with you. My second priority is definitely still inventory acquisition. We are as aggressive as we possibly can on every deal. But, I mean, if they have a trade, um, if we have just somebody coming in, I mean, we've had we've had people in the last couple of weeks that have brought in their instant cash offer. And uh, it says for $30,000 and some odd change. And uh, I mean, I'll step up an extra couple of grand because I need that trade so badly to be able to sell. Mm-hmm. And I think that that atmosphere that that creates for my sales guys, knowing that we're willing to maybe go a little farther to make sure that they have vehicles to sell and they can make money. It kind of helps the whole jive of the store as well. My third, I guess, and we're kind of running into it now is I need to find a way instead of it taking 48 hours for the time I buy a vehicle to get it on the lot, I need to get it close to like 24 to 36. And the only reason for that is I'm literally running out of cars to sell that we're selling so quickly. Mm-hmm. And so like the holding cost to hold it that extra day, the dollar amount doesn't really shake out to a lot, but if I miss another trade, then I mean, it, it grows exponentially like as fast as you could possibly imagine. And so um, we did a, a like a self-study a few weeks ago and uh, by taking that extra 12 hours or 24 hours to get it done, I mean, we we're missing 15, 20 deals a month Wow, doing it that way. And so by getting them out a day earlier, I mean, I can pick up those deals and not really change any other process we have. So you're talking about reconditioning, getting it yes. frontline ready faster. Yeah, correct. That's amazing. That's, you know, that's really, it proves the value of really focusing in on that window of reconditioning frontline ready time. Um, because it, it has such a big impact in a lot of different areas of your business. It's amazing. And a lot of guys don't, uh, don't, I, I mean, I used to be one of those guys two or three years ago that didn't think it was that big of a deal if a car was ready to go on the lot Wednesday or ready to go on the lot Friday. It's a huge difference though. And it, when you really stop and put a pencil to it and kind of figure out your average gross, like on how many days you had the vehicle in stock to sell it, dealers are losing a fortune by overlooking probably one of the easiest things you can change. I mean, that, that's a change that you can instill today. And uh, a lot of dealers are, are just okay with not doing that because they don't think it's that big of a deal. They think that they can pick up more money by spending an extra $10,000 in advertising, or they can pick up more money by giving everybody an extra $1,000 for their trade and stuff like that. But in reality, the faster you can get a vehicle from the first customer onto your lot to the second customer, that's where you make your money. Mm-hmm. So you identified this as an opportunity. How are you going to tackle that? Are you, I mean, are you looking for tools that'll help you or you've already got the tools? It's just tighter management of the process. Yeah. So we, I mean, we already have the tools in place that we could be doing it. My biggest issue was, um, I guess the enthusiasm, um, typically from, I mean, it goes as far as like whoever stocks in the vehicle to 
um, getting it back to the detail department and getting it through service. We have, we've always treated our service department fair. And we always like our, as far as sales goes, we pay the, uh, the door, the average door rate for customer retail. And, uh, if they, as long as they can get the vehicles out within the 36 hours, we'll keep paying that. But if it goes past the 36 hours, we start dropping 10% at a time. And of course the techs don't want that. The, um, the service writers don't want that. And of course the service manager doesn't want that. And so, I mean, they have definitely taken control of the service department and it's running incredibly smooth. And it's one of those things where you're almost like, man, why didn't you guys just do this to start with? I mean, yeah. I didn't have, to, I mean, I don't know why I had to come in here and talk to you guys. Cause I mean, everybody's making more money now. We will. I mean, every once in a while you'll run into like an issue where like parts availability, um, a larger scale repair, that kind of thing that keeps you from hitting the 36 hour. Typically, within an hour of trading or buying the vehicle, we have a pretty good idea uh, if it is reasonable to get it out in that time frame. Um, if it's not, I mean, we'll work with the service department as best we can to still make it as efficient as possible to get it through. But I um, mean, if it can get through and there's no parts issues and no major repairs, I mean, it, it's, going, it's going to get through. Yeah, I think that's one thing that we really talk a lot about is that reconditioning actually starts at appraisal. And, Absolutely. You know, the more that you can tie those processes together, that tighter that timeline can be. Absolutely. Do, do you work with outside vendors as well through the reconditioning process or you do it all in-house? We did at one point. Um, we actually ended up moving it all in-house um, at the at the very end of last year, November, December. And uh, it's actually worked out a lot better. Um, that way we're not chasing cars out like throughout town. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not having to look for, I guess, whoever has the keys or where it's supposed to go next. Having it all in house, it is kind of a pain sometimes just because the sheer volume you have to push through. But by moving it out of house and using outside vendors and stuff, we're also paying them for what we could be paying ourselves. Right. And so I like to minimize that as much as I can because I mean, if I'm going to pay $100 to fix something, I'd rather pay my guys $100 to fix it than pay somebody else. So you guys have a body shop, all that? Yes. Yeah, we have a full body shop, full service, quick lane, and detail department. Nice. Well, Nick, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate you spending time and kind of sharing your experience. I wish you the best of luck as we finish up 2020. And thank you again. Randy, I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you guys. And uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of your year as well. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. And my thanks to all of you for listening to today's Dealer Voices Conversation. Please share this podcast with any of your friends that you think could benefit from hearing these insights. Stay tuned for our next podcast episode, and thank you for joining us today. We'll see you very soon.